3: You've got to do now at the Australian Culture Test. Three simple questions, three correct answers, and you go through that doorway to the greatest little country in the world.
0: Good morning everybody, this is Annie for Showreel and today we're going to have a look at a, an event called Flickrfest You may be, if you're a long term watcher of films and Australian films in particular you might be aware that Flickrfest has been going on for three decades uh, There's going to be a showcase of uh, Melbourne Shorts Uh, which has been doing a tour of the country on Wednesday, the 12th of April, down at the Kino, 7pm. And we've got Bronwyn Kidd, who's the director of Flickrfest, on the line, and she's going to have a yarn with us about this fantastic festival. G'day, Bronwyn. How are you?
4: Very good, thank you.
0: Yeah, like uh, uh, we were just going to talk about the uh, showcase that's going to come up on Wednesday the 12th of April at the Kino, 7pm. But um, looking into Flickrfest, it's just quite a remarkable festival, isn't it?
4: Well, it certainly keeps us busy, Annie. We had over 3,200 entries this year from Australia and across the world. We only focus on short films, so specifically a short film festival, but with a big... Australian and international component and celebrating a lot of talent. So out of those 3,200 entries, we selected around 180 films to screen over our 10-day festival in Bondi, and then we toured to over 48 venues nationally, but always looking to support and showcase local filmmakers, hence our... Best of Melbourne Short Film Showcase with uh, nine incredible uh, local filmmakers in the mix that all featured at Flickr Fest in Bondi this year.
0: Yeah, that's right. And uh, in that particular uh, showcase, which is going to be at Kino, you've actually got the filmmakers as well introducing their films.
4: We have, which is always a really special um, thing, I think, to actually hear from the filmmakers, hear about they're kind of behind the scenes and their passions for their films. I think it really lights up the films when you see them them and gives them a whole new perspective. So it's always a really fabulous line of lots of filmmakers, all the filmmakers coming along from the films um, and introducing them at the beginning and then getting to watch the films. Of course, a complimentary drink as well on arrival just to really, um, you know, give it the festival vibe. So, yeah, it's, it's an event where people get to connect with a community of um, like-minded, passionate film lovers uh, in an accessible and friendly atmosphere.
0: Why did it begin? Why did Flick of start?
4: Well, I think because at that time, way back, 32 years ago, I can only claim 26 years, Annie, uh, oh, not wow.
0: the whole 32. Mm, you slag, aren't um, you?
4: <laughs> Um, But really, there weren't a lot of showcases at that time for international shorts in Australia as well as Australian shorts. And being able to bring those films to audiences, plus, of course, um, being able to encourage and be a platform for the filmmakers was, um, you know, really the the whole vision behind Flickr Fest.
0: Well, it's interesting, isn't it? Because short films are in themselves quite a different beast than a feature
4: Definitely. And there's a real art and skill to making a great short film from engaging the audience immediately to being able to tell a story in a concise um format. Uh looking and the great thing about them too ending up for me is that they are so contemporary. So Unlike a feature film where it might take you seven or eight years to get your funding together um, and that we have a whole lot of so- different social issues or or themes at that time, um, I think that short films have the ability to tell some really contemporary, fresh stories that are kind of immediately happening around us and reflect the world that's happening around us um, in a very contemporary way, which is which is great.
0: Oh, on that theme, one of the things that is quite Interesting about Flickrfest is that there is almost a uh, a, a file uh, cabinet full of different types of uh, areas that a person can enter their film into.
4: Well, we have like from um, short documentaries to our Australian. We do a number of showcase programs. We screen films for, um, for kids, so for families. and We have a national youth competition for filmmakers under 18. We have an LGBTQI program, Rainbow Shorts, curated by award-winning filmmaker Craig Borum. So we've got across the 10 days that we um, screen in Bondi 24 different programs, which are a chock-a-block full of short films um, that people can see across different themes and genres,
0: yeah, it must make it a really interesting uh, uh, festival to curate.
4: It certainly does. And I'm really thrilled to have a wonderful programming team working alongside me. It's um, Every year it's about finding that diversity within the program. It's finding stories that we think do really reflect the world that we're living in and, and you know, celebrating talent. I guess there's a lot of um, many, many months of work that goes into curating the final program, that's for sure. It's all very finely curated to take people on a journey, I think, within that program. So when people come along to a um, Best of Melbourne Short Showcase on Wednesday night, they'll go on a journey from, you know, more serious scenes, lots of comedy in there as well, some very heartwarming films. So... Truly, an inspiring, I think, and, and um, um, intricate look at the world um, that we live in. In Melbourne, storytellers, the films that Melbourne filmmakers want to want to tell, the stories that they want to tell, that we showcase. Uh,
0: also, I mean, it's fantastic for filmmakers to actually be chosen. It's also fantastic for filmmakers to go through the process of putting their film forward. It's also great to have them do Q and As, but it's also great for them to actually have. Uh, access to prizes. You have a lot of prizes.
4: We do have a lot of prizes. We're pretty much, you know, recognizing um, many of the craft areas that are inherent in making a great short film. Um, And, and of course, um, Black Gold, an incredible film um, from uh, a community of Sudanese filmmakers in um, Melbourne had won our best Cinematography Prize, which was really exciting. So they'll all be along to introduce their film on the night. that's um, always thrilled to celebrate talent, craft and all the areas that go into making a short film. Of course, uh, it's not just the director, the writer and the producer. It's the cinematographer. It's the editor. It's the actors. Uh, it's the sound design. It's the music. It's all the elements coming together to make a great piece of cinema.
0: Yeah, it is. And just before I let you go, um, another thing that's really fascinating is that Flickrfest is a academy-qualifying and BAFTA-recognised short competition. This is important for filmmakers, isn't it?
4: Uh, it's a great recognition, I think, um, probably over the 32 years of the festival and the calibre of our competition and jury. But also, yeah, it gives filmmakers a real... Um, you know, boost for their career to be selected for an Academy Qualifying and BAFTA-recognized festival. We do have four um, awards across our program that are Academy Qualifying, so that's a pathway to the Oscars um, and gives filmmakers an opportunity to be screened in great company, um, but also, yes, to have that caliber of competition that their film is selected for.
0: All right, so we'll just go through that again. Flickrfest, uh, you've been taking it out in on the road, and one of the uh, road trips is the uh, uh, great, uh, it, great short films uh, Melbourne selections, Melbourne shorts. It's going to be Wednesday, the twelfth of April, seven pm. Best of Melbourne shorts. It's uh, going to be at the Kino at seven pm, and you can get tickets at uh, the cinema or go through uh, FlickrVest,
4: I presume? Yes, so au, and all the tickets are there. They're also, if, if still available on the night. We often sell out with so many wonderful filmmakers and their crews and friends coming along. Um, but it's our 17th year at Kino, so it's really exciting to be presenting this annual showcase of Melbourne filmmakers that we've been doing for some time. Nine films in the mix, a really incredibly um, diverse program and all the filmmakers coming along. So I'm very much looking forward to it and very much looking forward to meeting Melbourne audiences this year for our showcase.
0: Also a free trip, uh, drink. This is uh, Class Act because it's below $30. It's uh, worth the, the ticket. Thank you very much for talking to me this morning.
4: Annie. Lovely to chat to you.
0: My name's Nicholas Rothall. I've directed this film, Undermined Tales from the Kimberley. You're listening to 3CR.
5: Things need topping up every now and then. Monty auntie. Thanks, bub. Including your COVID protection. If you're an adult and it's been six months since you caught COVID or had a COVID jab, you can now top up with a free COVID-19 booster. It helps keep you and your mob protected from serious illness from COVID-19. So talk to your doctor or health worker about a free COVID-19 booster or visit health.gov.au forward slash top up to find out more. Authorised by the Australian Government Camera. A 3CR supporter.
0: You're on 3CR with Annie on Showreel and we look at the Australian film industry. And uh, now we're going to hear a little excerpt from a piece that came, a discussion in fact, uh, about two important... um, uh, first Nations, uh, uh, factual series that are coming up in 2023. Uh, around May, June, you'll find them on your screens. The first, one of them is called First Weapon and the other is The First Inventors. And, uh, this is important because they're First Nations-led filmmaking practices in ensuring authenticity and respect when handling First Nations knowledge. That's at the centre of the discussion that we're going to hear. It's only an excerpt. It's from the Australian International Documentary Conference. And as I said, just an excerpt. It's a a little chat uh, with people like Dean Gibson, who's from Bacon Factory Film, uh, Dana Curtis, Inky Media, Larissa Berent, Lavarch Productions, and Sian Mugati. McHugh from Moogie Down Productions. Uh, the moderator is uh, Lori Brenigan Aranto, who was, uh, works at, uh, uh, as the Indigenous um, uh, curator at the AIDC for this 2023 uh, event. So let's have a listen to what they had to say.
5: Incredible. those series, both of which I think are going to have a huge impact in ensuring First Nation knowledge is going to be at the forefront um, and in a really entertaining way as well. Um, Dina, I'd love to turn to you first and hear a little bit about uh, your view of
6: the project as the producer. Well, my view is, uh, okay. Um, <laughs> so I also came up with the concept of First Weapons. And so it's been a project that I've been developing for nine years. From, by time it goes air, so from concept to screen it's been nine years and it's a six half-hour science program that unpacks the secrets of traditional Aboriginal weaponry and that's right from um, the inherent science of the weapon makers and country right through to experts and then a celebration of contemporary um, technology and weaponry. Um, what else should I say? it's presented by Phil Breslin, and we travel across the country um, visiting six we- uh, uh, sorry weapon makers and um, unpacking the science of six weapons
5: yeah no it's really cool
6: um, I, I always kind of think of it as like a Blackfellow mythbusters in a sense <laughs> yeah it's, it's it's very much a format series and so it is kind of um, it's like a mythbusters top gear body-hack type show. Um, We've worked very hard to ensure that, you know, it is entertainment first and um, where it's not too irreverent and there's an awful lot of um, culture and celebration within each episode. And so that was an important um, objective for us to achieve and I think, you know, we managed to do that. And I also think the biggest challenge of the series was that It was two halves. So the first half was we were on country, we were looking at inherent science, we were with our weapon makers in their community. And then we went to Brisbane where we met our scientific experts and we were in the labs and we were unpacking the science in the Western sense. Um, So it was a challenge for us to draw So make sure we brought those two together so it was a cohesive episode. Um, And I think we managed to achieve that by ensuring that our weapon makers also came on the journey with us as well. And that we primarily focused on the fact that the weapon was the hero within each episode. So whenever we got stuck, we went back and said, the weapon is the hero, even though we have a very lovely presenter, (laughs) Phil (laughs) Breslin, who goes on the journey and throws himself into all sorts of situations to um, really explore each of those weapons. Definitely. And for you, Dean, how was it balancing
5: that, you know, trying to keep it entertaining and light, but also paying respect and giving reverence to culture?
3: Yeah, and that was always on the front of my mind and talking with Phil about how his tone working with the weapon makers and working with the scientists and making that all work. But I think for me it was a fresh change because I'd just, I'd just come off the back of Incarceration Nation. So the, the load, the emotional load of that was real and the, what that did to me professionally and personally was real. So it was nice to get the call from Daniel and say this is something we want to try and achieve. That we're doing it in this different style, where we are going to have some fun. We can actually really celebrate the locations and celebrate the, the makers and celebrate that that uh, knowledge of, of, of weapon making, um, and and then have some fun, play, you know, go to the the stadium and race a racing drone versus a boomerang and see how that goes, and have some really fun and dress people up in night's outfits and see what we can do with that and and I think it was really for me that's where it was a nice fresh breath of air to go okay you can sort of let the incarceration nation chapter sit and rest for a little bit Mm -hmm. and come on over to now and celebrate that so that was probably my first initial sort of excitement around the project but then yeah it was always important that I think the starting point for me and I, I guess from the early days of meeting with, with Dina and Jacob and, and Darren was it's still paying the honour and respect that we are going to someone's um, country, we're spending time with them, they're giving us time of their life, like they're giving us time and taking us to places and sharing things that they don't they don't have to do that. Mm. And that but they could see what we were trying to achieve and what Dina had been building those relationships over time to get to where we are today. Um, and that was always the starting point. But then it was, I think, once we got through that conversation of them trusting the process and the film and what we were trying to achieve in terms of that more of a fun format, which people aren't used to seeing, and it took a little bit of sort of um, you know, to, to, to sort of talk them through what we were going to go through, and they go, "What well, we're going to race a boomerang versus a drone? How, how's that going to work? As it? I don't tell Dina, but I don't know how that's going to work. We we get, <laughs> but it's that that sort of." Once you got past that kind of conversation, I think it was amazing to see the weapon makers actually Mm -hmm. come along for the ride and Phil to get to get form his. Because the great thing was Phil would meet them at the start Mm -hmm. and he'd get to know them as well. And he would together they'd have fun. And I think that resonates in the episode where you can see by the end of they've got a nice little rapport going on with each other, and it resonates on the screen where they are genuinely celebrating. Obviously, learning things on the way and, and mm-hmm. paying respects at those key points, but having fun, and knowing that I, I could sit down, the kind of cuts that we're seeing, you'll bring your whole family around it, and there'll be some, re- I mean, it's cliche, but there really will be something in there for everyone in yeah. your family, from my 11-year-old year boy, who's peeking over my shoulder, who just wanted to keep lifting the laptop up and watching it, saying no, <laughs> to, to the 80-year-old gentleman from Central Australia who shared their whole story around our man.
5: Yeah.
3: It's is, it is incredible. It is,
5: it is a really community affair in, in every way, that project. Mm. I, I'd love to turn to you, Kian, to talk about First Inventors. You were the producer on, on this project. How was that?
1: Massive. Um, so another another project that was years in the making, and you know just the consultation process alone, you know like I'd, I'd have to work out how many Ks are racked up in the uh, in the U. But um you know like I was going out and doing a lot of consultation myself, um, you know, and you know the like case in point there's um there's a sulphide in the, in the series who is about oh, 500 Ks away from Darwin, so I just. You know, I think I went out to this place like probably ten times wow. before we even started filming. It was a lot of driving. It was a lot of driving, and you know, it's it's not a not a short trip. Um, so you know, it's just, there were times where I'd have to go out and just like literally sit down and go through a contract with him or something like that. And you know, ten hour round trip just to sit down with him for half an hour. Wow. But you know, all it's all hugely important. You know, um, that was you know going back to what I said about that uh, project by <laughs> like this being indigenous led. Um, you know, it's, it's just hugely important because, you know, you've got the same thing, you know, going out to all these different countries, and they, they are different cultures. So that's the thing, like, people look at, you know, Indigenous culture as a homogenized sort of, like thing, but, you know, everyone's got different languages, different customs and culture. So, you know, it's, um, even for an for Indigenous, we'll you have to treat carefully and um, you know, really brought up that rapport and respect with people before you can shut the camera in their face. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so it was, um, it's not. It's, it's nothing that I'm a stranger to doing. Like, I've been doing this for, for a long time. And, um, you know, uh, but yeah, this, this was probably, out of all the projects I've worked on, this has been the most challenging one. Um, and the payoff, um, yeah, just looking at that clip, I'm like, oh, that actually looks pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
5: <laughs> Once you
1: get to the end, you're like, oh yeah. wow, we did it! <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, so um, yeah, it was, it was such a rewarding, rewarding project to be a part of as well, because you know, like, focused on traditional knowledge systems um, and looked at you know indigenous innovation and in science, and you know, I think even for myself, like, I was learning a lot, a lot about um, you know uh, indigenous innovation that I'd never heard of previously. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, there's it it's yeah, it amazing, amazing project to be part of.
5: There's so much knowledge, and it's it's a whole continent, you know? Um, Larissa, I'd love to hear from you about your collaboration with Kian and experience directing the first
7: inventors. Um, Yeah, well, as Kian said, it was um, quite the adventure. Um, I'd never made this much television before, and I think there was an element of bravery about it where bravery isn't probably fully understanding the facts of the situation you're getting yourself into but um, you know it was a um, it was very challenging it it is just listening to what Ken was saying it's why it's so important these uh, First Nations collaborations obviously for the scope of the project I'm much more used to being across all of that consultation myself Mm -hmm. so to know that the people going out to do that work before you is somebody who have got the cultural integrity and authenticity and understanding of the protocols that Keane had made that really important. So from a producer-director point of view, I felt like our relationship was absolutely key. Um, it, it was obviously a really challenging space for a range of reasons. Um, I guess I'd just start by saying I'm probably better known for the very hard social justice focused documentaries that I make but to me this was absolutely um, consistent with that and the ability to be able to show the complexities and the um, sophistication of the culture that I grew up in and love and to see it the way that I see it and Kian sees it as opposed to the way outsiders see it, I think is a really big, important part of those big national conversations that the social justice work is a part of as well. So for me, that felt like it was a continuation of that work. We had, as Kian said, the challenge of bringing out the complexities of cultures across the country, but still distilling it in a way that was accessible to the audience. And I think it's really important to acknowledge that as a co-production between Channel 10 and NITV, Ken and I were really aware that we had two very different audiences. Mm -hmm. And not only were we always privileging Indigenous knowledge and making sure that that was um, the perspective and voice um, that was, Leading the story and the narrative. Um, I guess it was a bit like um, remembering the weapon is the main character. We were always sort of, when we were at a crossroads of, of navigating that, um, able to, to make sure that Indigenous led meant Indigenous focused. So I just want to finish by giving a real shout out to Caius Hepworth, if she's in the audience, because. Kai's was at NITV when we really started the production and the arrangement with TEN and had really insisted in this collaborative arrangement that the Indigenous voices would come through first. And that was really helpful in navigating a really complex series and a really complex set of ideas and two very different audiences um, to be able to go back to that initial um, structuring of the relationship as Indigenous led and Indigenous first.
0: And, uh, yeah, that was a little excerpt from a really interesting discussion about uh, two series that are kind of come up on our screens over the next few months, Uh May, June. You should keep an eye out for them. First Weapon and the First Inventors. And the, the discussion was revolving around the importance of First Nations-led filmmaking practices. And the speakers we were hearing were Dean Gibson, Dana Curtis, Larissa Berendt, uh, Keenan Mugatan Maku and their moderator Laurie Bunigan and it was part of the Australian International Documentary Conference but just an excerpt uh, earlier we were hearing from Bronwyn Kidd who is from Flickrfest and uh, you might want to put on in your calendar the collection of films that are going to be shown in a showcase Melbourne showcase 7pm At uh, Kino, uh, Wednesday, the 12th of April, after you've been uh, Eastering, you can uh, go to the movies and hear from filmmakers and see their craft. Coming up next is Published or Not. We'll go out with a bit of White Stripes.
2: She wants a